All it takes is a click to listen to RTI online. Get exercise for your finger and exercise for your mind at english.rti.org.tw. You're listening to Radio Taiwan International. Coming up this hour, it's Lights, Camera, Asia, and In the Spotlight. But first, we kick off today's program with a new edition of Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Thursday, January 30th. I'm John Van Trieste, and joining me here in the studio today, we've got Shirley Lin Hello. and Paula Chow. Hello. Up next, could this be Taiwan's biggest Lunar New Year banquet? Then we'll be hearing about a trash bag design that's won an award. It's aiming to get people to start talking with one another while they take out the trash. Then we'll be hearing about uh, President Tsai's other big interview. You may have heard about her recent big interview with the BBC. Well, that's not the only... Uh, Big name she's been interviewed by lately. We'll be hearing more about that in just a second. Please stick around. been to my share of uh, Lunar New Year banquets. We have one every year here at RTI, uh, but this one really seems to take the cake. I've never heard of one quite this big before. Right. Actually, it was held by a real estate agency in southern Taiwan um, because the, the business is booming for um, that company. So this year, um, that company actually held a 10 um, year-end banquets for its employees. In southern Taiwan, in Kaohsiung, it held a big um, banquet, uh, 120 tables. Wow. If one table has 10 people, that means uh, 1,200 people. How many tables do we normally have by, for comparison purposes? You mean our uh, RTI? Like maybe... Depending on the size of your company. I mean, maybe we have well, like yeah, 20-ish, I want to say. No, no, I thought we had more. I think we had more. more 30, 40. 40? Okay, right. but still we are tiny by comparison. Yeah. Yes, so. we are tiny. Um, and yeah. this real estate agency, um, of course, uh, at the year in Bangkok, there was seeing, dancing, and law drawing. So the um, the this real estate agency held the banquet at, at a five-star hotel wow. in Kaohsiung and also invited a band. And also they, um, they, they are, uh, there were musicians to play magic tricks. And of course, there are lots of prizes. For example, um Two um, gogoros, two um, e-scooters, scooter. 125 um, motorbikes, iPhones, iPads, and also vacuum cleaners, Dysons. Wow. Uh, Dysons vacuum cleaners. There are 340 prizes. Wow. Just for employees. That's excellent. Well, we have a lot of, I mean, okay, our bosses are nice. Yeah. And we always talk them into giving us... Well, not I say us. I have I didn't win anything this year, but um, you know, uh, higher and higher prizes. Mm -hmm. It seems every year, but uh, that is quite extravagant. But our prize I've never is had cash prize. I prefer I, that actually. I, I do too. <laughs> I love cash rewards. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's more practical. But you yeah. know, still uh, getting uh, you know hired talent to perform. We had that one year too, so it's not that unusual. But magic tricks, I've never. Usually, we have to perform. You know, provide our own entertainment. Is what yeah. I'm saying. So, right. Which is fun. Which is fun. Yeah. Right. It, it must be something to have a magic show <laughs> at your at your banquet, though. Well, you, John, you learn it, then you'll be performing on stage. Your magic tricks next year. I don't think anyone's going to want to see that. But <laughs> Well, we have found 
at RTI, but I don't know whether uh, KMT's um, staff members have found oh, yes. because, you know, the opposition party, um, you know, it had a setback at yes. the presidential legislative elections. Changing our subject now for a moment, right. uh, we're going to the opposite end of the spectrum from one of Taiwan's yes. biggest and most loudest parties to maybe one of the saddest well, ones. Well, in line so. with the tradition, the opposition KMT also held a, a year-end banquet for its uh, employees and staff members. However, it's not a banquet because the KMT actually, uh, you know, uh, bought a lunchbox for everyone. Employee. This is a Taiwanese-style lunchbox, which consists right. of usually mm -hmm. rice, maybe a meat, and maybe like one or two types of vegetables. vegetables? The lunchbox for maybe a year half in, an egg. For a year in banquet, year in that's, banquet that's, 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 like that's a, never heard of. That's an ordinary lunch. Yeah. Right. Like a, worker, a working person's lunch. Not did the they sort of still thing. have performances on stage? I, and all that? I don't know, but it's not a promising it sign. Been, <laughs> it must have been awkward, I have to yeah. say. Uh, whether you like them or not, you have to feel kind of a bit sorry for them yeah um, for sorry for them uh, having and and on top of the insult of their loss in this last election now they only get lunch boxes yes for really I think that uh, the, I would uh, defect I don't know <laughs> <laughs> well uh, so yes uh, as you can see New Year's banquets in Taiwan come in all shapes and, and sizes, sizes and uh, the menus are range from the great to the sort of questionable <laughs> Now we turn our attention to Trash Talk. Um, it's a group of students who've won a design award, and their design is a trash bag that's trying to get people talking to one another while they wait to throw out their garbage. Right. The thing here about um, you know, the garbage truck collection system is that um, these garbage trucks come at different times, set times in, during the day. We say set, then, but I would say very loosely set. Oh, really? Oh, mine okay. are never even district. closely on time. Oh, okay. <laughs> but people mostly would just take their trash down and then and then they'll be like looking down on their mobile phones and not talking to each other, to their neighbors. Because you stand there for a long time. Yeah. In some cases like 15 minutes. Right. So um, with this observation in mind, a team consisting of four students from the National Taiwan University of Arts created a series of reusable bin bags, these garbage bags, nicknamed Trashed Talk. And that's just only one of a series of different um, um, themes, I guess. Mm -hmm. So it's a joint collaboration with the Environmental Protection Bureau of New Taipei City. Now, the students, um, they won the Golden Pin Design Award for, uh, in September last year for this. So they launched three series so far. The first one is Trash Talk, like I said. Second one is Charity. And the third one is called Flirting. Oh, <laughs> That sounds like it could lead to some lawsuits. Okay, well, uh, let me tell you. Flirting with one's neighbors? That's a bit awkward, yeah. <laughs> it could be. Um, so, first of all, is this Golden Pin Award that you mentioned, is this a Taiwanese award? Um, I suppose so. Okay. I think, yeah, I think it is. All right, but they're getting and, recognition. Yes, they are. So, um, for example, um, let's see. They're, the trash, they would have, like, some Chinese writings on it with some um, caricature. And there's one that actually says, I want to be a trash. I want to be trash? Who says that? I want to be a trash, and you hope that somebody seeing this want, would kick up a conversation with you about... No, I would be like, like that's a you, weird what trash you, What bag. do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. And then there's also another one that says, um, I'm, I'm, wait, I'm dumping trash because, because then I get to meet you. <laughs> See, these are not great this pickup like, lines. Maybe they should be. That's what it is. You know, is that from the flirtation selection? Probably. Uh, okay. Yeah, and so, then um, yeah, 
I, I, we should point out, though, that uh, at least as far as I know, in Taipei, in New Taipei, each, each city has its own designated trash bags. You have to buy them. Mm -hmm. They won't accept any other types of trash bags. So are these government approved? Will we, there be... I think they are. So you'll be able to buy them and... Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't have the joy of, um, you know, using these trash bags because I live in a community where there are people who take care of our trash. Oh, we don't have to use how, these ooh la la, bags. How yeah, fancy. Ooh la la, I know. So anyway... Um, I stand on the curb like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. But um, trash talk, um, let me explain. It's actually a local teen slang, meaning rubbish talk between friends that's, in Chinese. That's English. It's we trash that, talk. We have that too. Yeah, I guess it so. It usually means trashing someone else, but... <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, this it works. Is, yeah. And so the design team, you know, they created these uh, garbage bags with funny graphic designs and slogans in the hope of, like I said, you know, increasing social interaction between neighbors and promoting cleanliness. That is like, you know, uh, followed regulations, use those trash bags and none others. And so... <laughs> I was um, right when I said, why is the trash truck so late again today? Because that's when I hear... when <laughs> hey, I do hear people, one. When I do hear people talking, that's usually what they're talking about. Right. Well, hey, that's a good one. That's a good one. Well, there are also some other funny lines, such as, you guys are trash. Oh, that's not very funny. That's not very that's nice, not right? very nice. Yes. And then the other one, the garbage truck is coming. <laughs> like Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> and then, um, like, oh, there was one that says, I want to be trash. And then I dumped my ex. <laughs> oh, Hope, that's, so that you, sounds just like you should contact the police if someone has, says that with trash bags in their hands. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's not very... You, you, but, I they mean, need to come up with some less creepy it's slogans. It's not literal speaking. It's more like, you know, yeah, I, I trashed my, my... I mean, I that's yeah. yeah I gave up my, not, my ex. Not great conversation starters. I have to say I'm not... Isn't this funny? I, they maybe should have done some workshopping with these. Probably. I think the idea of getting people to talk is good. I really mm -hmm. see some of the same people every time I throw out my trash, and I have no idea... Where they what? live or who they are, just that they're sort of vaguely from around that area, I guess. Yeah, you recognize so, them from the faces. I guess, but. yeah, we could create some social connections. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, maybe just work on the slogans a little on bit. On the slogan, uh. yeah. All right, well, uh, President Tsai Ing-wen has been on... The, an interview role, it sounds like, since she was re-elected in our recent elections. Uh, who is she t doing an interview with this time? Oh, she, uh, President Tsai was interviewed by an online celebrity, or her last name is Tamil. And Tamil actually uh, visited Taiwan last year, and she stayed at the presidential office for one night. Where is she from? Um, I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, well, Tamil has lots of um, subscribers. Actually, her Facebook fan, um, Facebook uh, pan, Fan page? fan page has 1.4 million followers. And uh, her, uh, she's also a YouTuber, and uh, she also has 1 million subscribers. But anyway, recently uh, she did an interview with the president, and she asked President Tsai, you know, you know, women in Taiwan, they have pressure from society. When are you, for example, when are you going to get married? Mm. Uh, why don't you have children? Blah, blah, blah. And President Tsai said, what matters most is how women see themselves. Uh, women shouldn't worry about their gender because she thinks what matters most is women's ability and competitiveness. And, and Tammy also asked President Tsai, how did she cope with criticism? Well, President oh. Tsai is a politician, so she has uh, yeah. to face a lot of criticism. And President Tsai said it's confidence because she said uh, from her past experience as, um, as a negotiator, mm -hmm. and she thinks that, you know, there are solutions when you are. Uh, when you have problems, you have you need patience, you need confidence, you have to talk to people. And this is what she said. 
And Tamia also asked President Tsai how she juggled her busy schedule and her cats her, in her in her personal <laughs> life. She well, has her cats are well, celebrities two, in their own right. Oh yes, yeah, so she has two cats and three dogs. But she said the President Tsai said, well, of course, she will have some time for herself every day, and then she will you know, think about what happened earlier in the day or mm. what happened the day before. And then um, Tamia also asked the President Tsai, well. Um, you know, the president has two cats and three dogs. What does the president learn from her pets? <laughs> and President Tsai says she actually enjoys her time, you know, spending with her pets. That's because um, the president said her pets don't argue with her and they don't <laughs> talk back. <laughs> That's what she said. Well, yeah, maybe something like you have to learn to be stealthy as a cat, but as personable as a dog. I don't know, something like that. Right. And President Tsai also says she learned a lot from her pets because pets also, animals also have feelings and emotions and you have to, they are very sensitive. You have to pay particular attention, you know, to them. Yeah, that's true. They're, they're her other constituency, I guess you could say. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's really cool. Uh, is this, has this been posted? Yes. Can we, right. So how do you spell her name so our listeners can our, check it her out? Her name is A-L-Y-N-E, last name Tamio, T-A-M-I-R. Well, a French student who was here in Taiwan for some time has gotten home, but not without a very special Taiwanese souvenir. That is right. Um, he thinks it's probably one of the coolest and definitely long-lasting souvenir from Taiwan. It's definitely long-lasting. Is yeah, long-lasting. Yeah. Um, his name is Tony, and um, I guess it's a very difficult to pronounce last name, so it starts with F. Uh, he got a tattoo of Taipei 101 just two days before he headed back home to Paris. Hmm. So he's 23, and he studied international business administration at the National Taipei University of Technology for five months. And um, and then he was about to leave and go back home, and he was thinking, hmm, what can I bring back with me that would help me remember Taiwan by? So this was actually his very, very first tattoo. And oh, it wow. Took, yeah. And it took three hours to complete. <laughs> three he, hours. I would expect that, like, for your first tattoo, you wouldn't do something that monumental. But it's uh, it on his monumental. It's on his it? bicep, it looks like, too. Ouch. Yeah, well, it's on the uh, backside, of, the backside. His, um, uh, of his upper arm okay. on the right. Yeah. So um, it's pretty nice looking, actually. It is very well yeah. rendered. I think that's a building that would be very easy right. to mess up. <laughs> yeah. So, um you know, he didn't want anything too mainstream, so he uh, got together with uh, his uh, tattoo artist, uh, Yujo, and he actually offered him several ideas, including the shape of Taiwan, and he said, eh, and then Taipei 101 in writing, I guess in Chinese characters, then he ended up, you know, getting this whole um, Taipei 101 building. Yeah. Um, it's, I guess, from a, a sketch, a sketch, yeah, and so... He um, he wanted something more casual and discreet at first. That's not very discreet. No, it isn't. But at the end, he decided that that was the best symbol to remember Taiwan. Okay. So, um, of course, he said that, you know, in addition, that Taiwanese people are just really kind and polite and uh, that its geographical advantage allowed him to travel extensively in Asia, not just only within Taiwan, but he got to travel to Vietnam, Japan, Korea, well, and the Philippines well, within just, the five months that he was here studying. Yeah, um, they're all about two to three hours down the road, yeah, maybe yeah, four hours yeah. down the road, so right. not, not too bad. Yeah. And no jet lag either, so he's right about that. Right. Um, well, I've always wanted a tattoo. I've really? What, yeah, something discreet. I'm I mean, definitely more discreet more than and more the about you. Wanna, well, but, wait, you know, What's your ideal tattoo? Like, 
Ah, uh, well, nothing original. Just thought maybe a butterfly or a flower or something. I don't know, but、uh, I never got around to thinking exactly what I wanted because once you do it, you can't regret, right? You I mean, can, but I think you, you have to、oh, spend a lot of money.、Right. Yeah, you don't want to do that. That hurts. Yeah, <laughs> it just hurts too much. But anyway, just well, something really discreet. I guess he、like、really、this. committed to this then.、Huh? Yeah. Well, it's definitely a conversation starter. Better than trash bags, anyway. <laughs> Well, the Taiwan Lantern Festival and the Taipei Lantern Festival, for that matter, are two big illuminated events that are taking place around this time of year. I think they're starting soon. Yes,、um, on the fifteenth day of the Lunar New Year. So that's the Lantern Festival, as in the holiday. Right, right, right. But we're talking about light displays that、oh, yeah. center around this holiday.、Mm-hmm. There's another one that I'd never heard of today, though. And、uh, if you have a chance to visit Southern Taiwan before February sixteenth, you can go check it out. This is called the Yuejin Lantern Festival.、Uh, And it's being held in Tainan's Yanshui district, which is, I think, the same place where they have that、uh, massive yeah,、uh, New Year's the- firefight. Like literally, they shoot rockets yeah, at each other. Right.、Um, Scary. This is a quieter, more you know, calm、uh, event that's taking place there.、Um, and this year's theme is exciting. It's called Mirage. Oh. And, okay.、Uh, and I thought it would be Rat. <laughs> anyway. Maybe the maybe they found a way to work rats into it. The people、okay. who make these illuminations are very creative.、Mm-hmm. I'm sure they can manage it.、Um, it's a very international event, which is surprising to me.、Um, I thought would think that most designers would be trying to get their works into the big Taiwan sort of nationwide event, which I think is in Taichung this year.、Mm-hmm. So you're in a big city and lots of people will show up. Not not necessarily.、Uh, there are 51 installments, and they include works by university students in Taiwan. But also artists from Japan, the Netherlands, and Switzerland. So、okay. quite a bit of representation there. I didn't know that there were many like Swiss lantern、mm. artists, but you learn something new every day. I thought that was sort of an Asian thing.、Um, anyway,、uh, this has become, it turns out, a pretty major. It says brand here among the different lantern festivals that take place across Taiwan at this time of year. And it complements, like I said, I knew they were going to bring this up. The Yenshui Beehive Fireworks Festival, which is February seventh and eighth this year, and that's、mm-hmm. the one where, like I said,、uh, you need protective gear, yes, like riot police gear, because people are going to be shooting rockets at you, yeah, like helmets, not for the faint of heart, right?、Um, and apparently,、uh, this is going to be the biggest one ever. And will feature more display areas, and it's going to go from the old harbor area in town, all the way through some historic lanes and alleys. So they're going to decorate their historic district. It sounds like,、uh, and it is a pretty historic place. There's also going to be more multimedia works than ever before. So it's not just lanterns. Lots of I imagine light shows,、uh, anything to, to, to light up the night. That's sort of what you do on the lantern festival, and、uh, also shuttle bus service, which is helpful because.、Uh, That part of Taiwan, you pretty much need a scooter or a car to get to most of the time. So,、uh, in addition, there's going to be hand puppet shows. I think that they're talking about a、uh, budaishi, which is a、mm-hmm. very traditional Taiwanese art form, and、uh, also movies at an old theater and some sculptures. Lots of stuff to see.、Uh, it sounds like a good way to spend an evening, and then a couple days later, you can go shoot fireworks at each other. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. I'm John Van Trieste. I'm Shirley Lin. And I'm Paula Chow. Don't go anywhere just yet. Coming up next, it's Lights Camera Asia and In the Spotlight.
Lights, Camera, Asia. A look at Asian culture and history through the lens of cinema. Hello and welcome back to Lights, Camera, Asia. I'm Jake Chen. Last week we talked about a film titled Seven Days in Heaven, a comedy and drama about how a father in the family has died and how the rest of the family has to deal with it. We went over the story and specifically about how funeral procession in Taiwan can be as sad as it is comical at some point. This week, we'll talk about some of the elements in the film that makes it stand out from other dramas. We'll talk about the artistic choices that filmmakers have made along the way, as well as some of the subplots in the film that also help convey the story. And speaking of artistic choices, I think one of the first things that viewers will immediately feel is how frequently and how drastically the tone of the movie changes. For instance, this is the music at the beginning of the movie. A man who dresses in full red funeral procession costume, who is presumably the mortician, is dancing along with the rhythm of the music in a mourning hall where presumably a dead person's ash was placed. And then he picks up his cell phone and learns that another person has died and then there's new business coming to him. Of course, like I said earlier in last week's episode, death is by all means not a joking manner, especially in Asian culture. So the fact that he was dancing back and forth and then casually pick up the phone and talk about such a rather heavy matter shows that the film's makers have this morbid sense of humor to make fun out of a subject matter that is pretty much taboo. So right off the bat, this defies people's conventional perspective towards the subject matter, which is death. In a scene that immediately follows the film's opening sequence, however, we hear the mortician's voice praying for the diseased. Your body has no injury and no sign of wear and tear. You're going out just like you were going out in the world when you were a youngster. His voice overlaps with the voice of the deceased daughter, who, along with her brother, rushes into the hospital's ward only to find out that her father is no longer. There is no dialogue. All you see is the sister and her brother rushing into the hospital ward, and the sound of the machine clearly tells them that the patient's heart had just stopped beating. They've just missed the opportunity to see their father alive for one last time. Now, if I had to use one word to describe the scene before this one and the scene itself, the word for the first scene 
at the beginning of the movie will be access. It is filled to the brim with information. There is vibrant colors, there is dancing, there is a lot of other movements, and then the guy moves and talks in a very colorful, almost comical kind of way. So our senses are bombarded. Well, at the same time, our brain is trying to make sense of the fact that he's actually talking about somebody's death. Whereas this scene right here in the hospital, I can say it is the polar opposite of that. There is no music. There is no dialogue. The doctor and the patient's family members didn't say anything for a good half minute. There's barely any crying. This scene itself, if I have to use one word, it's minimalism. But precisely because all of these elements are removed, and I guess purposely by the filmmakers, what we're left with is nothing but the deceased family member's facial expression. In fact, we don't even see the dead body. We just see them staring off the screen with an unspeakable sense of sorrow gradually filling up both the sister and her brother. This is a powerful scene and a powerful juxtaposition. We, as members of the audience, were just overwhelmed with all this colorful and almost joyful energy. And then in a split second, just like that, now we have to experience the same sense of empty, vacant, silent sorrow that fills these two youngsters. In fact, this seemingly almost radical artistic choice is very consistent throughout the entire movie. Whenever we look at a scene where the actual funeral procession takes place, there is no music and very little dialogue. People spend the majority of their screen time carrying out every single step of the funeral procession according to program, mostly in silence, in mourning. The weight and the significance of the event is carried out by the fact that there is very little sound and people almost have to hold their breath in. And I think part of it is because when a member of the family had just passed away, it mostly comes as a huge emotional shock to the rest of the family, so much so that, at least according to my limited experience, that most of the family members have a hard time making sense and processing what actually happens. So there isn't that outburst of emotions as we might expect. And when we talk about the outburst of emotions, this is where the comedic element kicks in. The body of the father is, according to the program, supposed to be held in the family's mourning hall for seven days before it's sent off for burial. So everything has to go according to program. Comically, that includes when and where the daughter is supposed to cry. Here on the way of funeral procession, the mortician tells the daughter, look, according to program, Later on, it's your turn to cry, but not your brother. You two must keep that in mind.
The daughter says, In the following seven days, me and my brother are often confused as to when to cry and when not to cry. Here at one scene, we see that the daughter is literally taking care of some paperwork, and as soon as somebody bangs a gong and tells her, look, it's your time to cry now, she has to really drop everything that she's doing and then just run to the coffin and cry beside it, whether she feels like it or not. The same rather unexpected demand repeats itself several times in the following sequence, and it doesn't matter if the daughter is eating or brushing her teeth or just trying to head to bed. As soon as somebody tells her to cry, she has to head over to the coffin, and again, whether she feels like it or not, she has to at least pretend that she's breaking down in tears. You can probably hear towards the end of the sequence, she really doesn't feel like crying anymore. She's basically just making that sound to show that she's going through with the procedure. Eventually, after all the formality and procedures and absurdities and all that comes with the traditions, the seven days of funeral possession ended. And then both the daughter and her younger brother had to return to their normal life and carry on forward. In Shanghai, Hong Kong, and Tokyo, in a round trip? Oh, sure. It's just what I thought, and if I may, what I wanted to. Great. <laughs> okay. Our HR division will inform you after I review your CV in more detail. Thanks for coming today. Okay. Here we see the young daughter interviewing for a job that requires her to travel across Hong Kong, Tokyo, and Shanghai in English, showing her that she's advancing in a company. Now, at this point, she's never talked to anyone outside her family about the passing of her father until this scene right here, where she's meeting her girlfriends in a local bar. Here we see the daughter casually telling her friends in the middle of a party, Hey, I forgot to tell you guys that my father passed away. Her friends look at her in awe and they ask her, Just when exactly did this happen? And again, she remained rather distant and aloof, saying that, well, this happened four months ago. But it wasn't until later on in the film, when she's returning from a foreign destination back to Taiwan, that she remembers to buy her father the kind of cigarette that he's got the habit of smoking. And it was at that moment that she's hit with the reality. Her father is no longer there. Towards the end of the film, again, in dead silence, we see her dressed in business suits, picking up a cigarette, and keep in mind she's never gotten into the habit of smoking, and she began to smoke, and the scene is gradually filled with smoke, and she appears blurred and distant, and we can barely make out the fact that she has broken down in tears and crying. And this speaks volumes about the filmmaker's intention. After all that is loud and absurd and even dramatic and exciting that is a ceremony, 
One is hit with the silent reality that the one we love is no longer there after he or she passes. And it is this long, dead silence that immerses us. And it is in this atmosphere that we have to carry on with our everyday life and that we have to get used to this painful reality day after day. Thank you for listening to Lights Camera Asia. I'm Jake Chen. Talk to you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Today, my guest is Alder from Hong Kong. His name is Ellen Chen, and uh, he actually is the founder of OmniChat. Okay, um, he comes to Tama pretty often. He says like once every month. So let's have a talk as to what exactly he does. Well, hi, Ellen. Welcome. Hi, Shalini. So what is OmniChat? So OmniChat, actually, it is a omnichannel messenger platform for e-commerce to doing the customer service and also the marketing automation. So like uh, we help our uh, clients, which is an e-commerce platform, and then we help them to do like integration of their Facebook Messenger, Line, as well as their website, web chat. So we can monitor their user behavior and help them to do some kind of marketing automation. Oh, okay. So that's what it is. That sounds very interesting. Uh, for e-commerce, uh, actually, there's a term called conversion way. It means like uh, uh, 100 people come to their website and only three of them will uh, buy, buy something. something. Yeah, the conversion way typically is 3% only. So, but... Um, if you compare to the retail, they got twenty percent of conversion rate. Yeah, because this uh, why is it? Because uh, for e-commerce, uh, for uh, somebody come to your website and you even don't know what he's uh, looking for, what kind of things, and you cannot talk with him, you cannot, uh, you don't know how he uh, does in within your website. So that's why our product help them is that uh, we can ha- let them to in uh, to install kind of messenger on their website. So we let them to talk with their customers. customers. Yeah. And also we can monitor their whole user behavior, like uh, which product they locked, how long they stay there. And then use this kind of uh, data. We can note uh, their target audience. And then after that, they can use our platform to uh, do some kind of segmentation and also broadcast uh, to do their marketing on oh. our platform. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you're not the first platform doing that kind of service, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the <laughs> so it's a very competitive uh, <laughs> yeah, ex- this market. Exactly, exactly. What makes you stand out then? So uh, the differentiation is that we connect different kind of check channel. Oh. Yeah. So because a light, uh, if uh, we're talking about the monitor uh, of user behavior, or uh, talking about the chat with the website visitor, it is common, but. Uh, the the differentiation of our product is that uh, after they uh, uh, like they look uh, for the product how many times we record this kind of data, that we can also let them to integrate their social messenger channel. 
So we match their uh, uh, website identity to their live Facebook or even line. They can just subscribe to their uh, press a subscribe button and then we connect their user identity together. So after they leave the website, we still have a way to uh, send message to them to, to do the remarketing. That's how we difference from other kind of platform. Oh, well, what if the customer doesn't want to talk to you? <laughs> oh, of course, uh, it is his choice. And he, he can just simply uh, don't uh, talk to us and then he can ignore the button and what kind of thing. It's okay, it's okay. Yeah, but for the merchant side, because uh, we provide this kind of service to them, uh, we have uh, some kind of tips for them to let the uh, their customer talk to them. Something like uh, if we have a button, right? As I said, a subscription button. So it's a subscribe to Facebook online account. So it has some kind of message like, oh, if you click this button and then I'll give you some kind of $15 coupon. This kind oh. of thing. Yeah, yeah, it will let them to click it. Oh, but, but that's not your job. That's the supplier's yeah, job, exactly, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, okay. I see. You were saying that even if they turn off the messenger, or is that what you're saying? They have the right to turn off the messenger. You are still able to follow them on their Facebook, and is that's not uh, mm. that's not intervention of privacy? Uh, no. Oh no, because uh, the customers they uh, need to press the button to authenticate, right? So we we let the, our merchant to allow uh, the customers to at least press a button. So uh, I mean, they already afford their uh, identity there, and then and then we can. St- send a message to them. It is not like that. Uh, we know his uh, Facebook account and then we do not let them log in and we send messages. message to not, not them. Oh, they way. have yeah. a right of choice yeah, as exactly. to, you know, yeah. whether they want to be uh, yeah, okay exactly, yeah. to continue to get information from you or whatever. Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see. How long has OmniChat been around? Uh, we start this uh, project from, from 2017, June of 2017. Yeah, 2017. Yeah, 17. Oh, so it's okay, it's fairly two, new. Yeah, yeah, it's around two, uh, two years something. Yeah. So it started in Hong Kong. Yeah, so we started in Hong Kong. So this is based in Hong Kong. Yeah. Um. So how many people are there in your company right now? Uh, right now we got sixteen. 16. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what? Each sixteen. I mean, each person is responsible for different uh, categories of products or something. Oh no no no! Uh, um, uh, basically, we we do only uh, our company only do this product, and then they just uh, they they that our I means uh, the sixteen people just maybe uh, uh, half of it is for doing the development job, and then okay. uh, we also got the marketing and salespeople. Oh yeah, yeah, and you come to Taiwan every month at yeah. least once. Yes. What what do you do when you come here? Yeah, because we have uh, around we have twelve. Uh, people here right now. Oh, stationed here yeah. in Taipei. Yeah. Oh, this is separate from the sixteen people you have in Hong Kong. Uh, no, all together sixteen. All together sixteen. You got twelve in, here in yeah, Taiwan. Yeah, we only. You got consider four. Taiwan a big market then? Yeah, actually, a our, valuable market. Yes, yeah, it is. It is. It is. Yeah. Oh, Taiwan is that? our big, big market. Why? Yeah, because uh oh, at the beginning uh we start in Hong Kong, right? And at the beginning, I just have uh me only, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, when I when I uh published our product to the because our uh, uh target audience is the e-commerce, mm-hmm. and then uh Hong Kong actually the e-commerce is not so uh, mature, it's not so good. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Compared 
with Taiwan and even of course China. Yeah. 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 That's why uh because we uh launch our product and then uh China. Uh, Taiwan and Hong Kong is both traditional Chinese, right? Yeah. So we do some kind of. You mean traditional Chinese characters? Yeah, traditional oh, okay, characters. Okay. Yeah, and because we our platform provides traditional Chinese uh, uh language, so uh we uh do some kind of marketing on Hong Kong and both Taiwan, and we found out that um the Taiwanese love our product much than Hong Kong a lot. Oh yeah. Now, why is it that Hong Kong people are not so much into e commerce, buying things online? Yeah, why because is that? Uh, because Hong Kong is so small, you know, and yeah. then uh, the uh, it's so we it's very convenient for them to uh, go out and buy something <laughs> other than buying. Oh, online. yeah. I see. Yeah. Well, but then Taiwanese people. Are, I mean, it's very convenient here in Taiwan too. I'm sure you can you agree with me on that. Yeah. But Taiwan people are so. Does that mean that we're just more lazy people compared to those in, those people in Hong Kong. No, I, I think it's the different. I think I am. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the culture is different only. Yeah, because the culture is different. <laughs> yeah, because um, uh, the Hong uh, for Hong Kong and the logistics is not uh, so good for e-commerce. Yeah. Oh. So um, compared with uh, Taiwan and then the ecosystem, the whole ecosystem. I mean, the like the logistics and also the uh, online payment is really mature. And really? really integrated, yeah. Oh, we only wish they were even better than like China. In China, nobody cares about cash, you know? Uh, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm thinking it's like, a why story can't, in China. I know, why can't we, you know, head in that direction? I mean, we should be catching on way before China did. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. But um, I think Taiwanese people are just lazy. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I order toilet paper online, mm. you know, and um, laundry detergent. Yeah. Yeah, you know, these things that are like everyday use, yeah, you know, yeah, stuff. Yeah. I order them online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they deliver it right to your door. Yeah, but, <laughs> but in Hong Kong, for this kind of uh, living goods, uh, not many of them will uh, order it online. Really? Yeah. This is interesting. I had, I had <laughs> not realized that. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. So what have you discovered as mm. being the most common thing yeah. that Taiwanese people buy online since you're saying that, gosh, you've got 12 out of 16 people stationed here in Taiwan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the most common thing that Taiwanese people like to buy? Well, uh, of course, it's like uh, the, the wearings, yeah, the like clothes? clothes and so shoes and then and and others is like some kind of the uh girls uh, ju- ju- right oh yeah, 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 like yeah. jewelry yeah yeah jewelry yeah. really uh, no, makeup not, yeah maybe makeup only makeup yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah oh wow i i guess i'm more traditional and i'm definitely thinking that you know my husband and i we definitely have a generation gap from the younger generation here yeah and so um, I'm not into buying clothes online. Not as much. I mean, I do. Okay, okay, okay. Because you don't feel it and you don't try it on, you know? <laughs> the M size for this particular brand could be so different from the M size of another particular brand. And yeah. and, and, and we don't like getting the hassle of returning stuff, you okay, know? Okay, okay, okay. I see. But, um, but young people are really into that. I mean, yeah, it's exactly. cheaper and it's convenient. You sometimes you just go pick up at the nearest, you know, Seven Eleven yeah. for for yeah the good that you order. Yeah, that's, so, that's why that's why we uh they love our products because uh, we oh. enable them to check right. So if you have uh, some kind of problem or some kind of corrections about the product, you can simply turn on our messenger and then ask the merchant. Yeah, and then they will provide the immediate answer. 
Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, I see how what the convenience is now mm. with your service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because it, um, mm. if it were otherwise, we would have to look for the telephone number or yeah, you know, and oh, maybe I don't email. Know, or, uh, yeah, or email, and you don't even know if you get a response or whatever. Um, it does keep the merchant side busy. Uh, uh, just uh, like on uh, hold, you know, yeah. to pick up these calls. Yeah, that's why we uh, we have another feature is uh, that we allow them to reply automatically. So we allow them to set some kind of like keywords, and then it's uh, usually the customers will ask for, and then we provide uh, let them to uh, set up the automatically answer for them. So it's something like the chatbot. And then you have thing. these preset text messages. Yes, something oh, like something it. like they uh, yeah. they they have a Q&A on their website, right? Mm. So they can use our um features uh the chatbot features to uh, put that Q&A um to set it up the automated answer and then once the customers they ask this kind of question, we can uh automatically reply them. Yeah, no need to have the uh, real right, human answer. real humans yeah. answering. What did you study in college? Oh, I studied computer science. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so, are you saying that you wrote up the program and coding for your business? Yeah, exactly. So ah, this product that's is, a big advantage. <laughs> yeah, and then I can because I can code. So uh, the first version of the product is uh, I, I can do everything on it, and then I can try because I I uh, when I finish I can try and I get published to the market to test it. Yeah, and then without any. Uh, uh, employee, so I can keep uh, my expense as low as possible. Oh yeah, but of course, is this your very first business? Your very first job? Uh, this is uh, my third business actually. Uh huh. Yeah, the third. But business. your first time as your own boss? Oh no, no, it's the third time. Oh, so you've? I mean, after graduating from college, you've always. Like being your own boss? Oh no 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 no! I I, <laughs> I, I used to be that. Well, yeah yeah. Uh, I after my graduate, I I worked for a company. It's a, a large public company for three um three years, and uh-huh. then yeah and then, and then I start my uh, startup career. Yeah, but uh, the first the first startup is a e-commerce platform for selling some kind of mobile case online. Okay. Yeah, it's um, just food. one product. Yeah, in, just right? one uh, uh, a different kind of. A different type of mobile case because at that time, like uh, we have uh, iPhone, different kind of iPhone version and Android phone, and then I, uh, I, I why a website and then collect different kind of brand of case to sell it online. Oh, yeah, it's, okay. It's, it's already two thousand and twelve. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then it failed. Actually, <laughs> it fails because uh, yeah, many people in Hong Kong they change the phone a lot. Yes. Yeah, and then um, because they change the phone, and then uh, like if we uh, store a lot of the iPhone case here, and then because they already change it, so we, we cannot sell all the things out. Yeah, I know. So you've got this stockpile yeah, of exactly. uh, old model uh, yeah. mobile covers. Yeah. Oh, so how often do the Hong Kong people change the mobile phone? Wow. Once every year? I think once every month. You bet I was totally shocked when I heard that. Anyway, this is getting very interesting, so make sure you join me next week on In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin.
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.